This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast. I'm Tyler, and back with me today to close out the first round of our UGA Madness Greatest Georgia football players of the past 25 years tournament is my co-host Curtis. And on our last episode, we made our way through the first round of the red and black regions. And today, we're going to finish off the first round by discussing the matchups and making our picks in the white and silver regions. I know most of you listened to the last episode where I kind of laid out in a pretty good detail exactly how we devised this tournament and how we're going to go about making the picks and all that good stuff. But for those of you who missed that episode, you still want to check it out so you can get all the details and see who made it into the second round from the red and black region. So still check that out. But basically, we went through the last 25 years of Georgia football and came up with 64 players that we felt deserved a bid into this tournament. We then put those names into a bracket generator, and voila, that spit us out a 64-player bracket with randomly generated matchups. Anytime you have randomly generated matchups, you're going to have some that are awesome in the first round, and you have some that are kind of like, eh, this is a pretty obvious choice here. So uh, that that's kind of how it came out in the first round, and we're going to discuss each matchup and make our picks to determine who advances to the next round. Uh, and there are three votes for each matchup. Curtis gets one. I get one, and you guys also get one. We put all 32 first-round matchups on Twitter over the weekend, last weekend, uh, for listeners to vote on, and you guys responded in a big way. It was a lot of fun to kind of see where your minds were, where your heads were on some of these picks. So obviously, for every matchup, since there's three votes, whichever player gets at least two votes advances on to the next round. We really want to make this uh, as interactive, uh, but also as simple and and fun as, as possible. So we tried to each of those marks, and we think we did a, a pretty decent job. We, we want to make sure you, you guys had a chance to vote on these. We wanted to be pretty simple in concept, and we think it's simple enough. So if you want more detail, check out our last episode. But for now, let's get to the matchups, starting with the white region. And we're going to open with a heavyweight first-round matchup. This is an interesting matchup, and this is a really tough draw for David Green. So next up, we have David Green. Versus Roquan Smith. Really tough matchup for David Green in the first round. Tough draw. Our listeners went with Roquan with 72% of the vote. Kurt, you also went with Roquan Smith. Did you stop and consider David Green at all, or was it just obvious you this was Roquan all the way? I did stop and consider him, but it all the things that Roquan did, it was just impossible. 
I, I agree. Now, here's the thing. Like, David Green was really good for us for, what, four years, right? Roquan yeah. was good for us for, for his first couple years in Athens. But it wasn't really until 2017 where he broke out, where he was like Roquan Smith, like first-round pick Roquan Smith. Um, he was really good in 2016, just not quite that good. Um, so I, I think you can make an argument there just on uh, the fact that Green was – was better over a longer period of time, maybe. But that one year that Roquan was a superstar in 2017, he was just that good. He was overwhelmingly good. If people actually voted on like who was the truly like the best player in college football, not just who was basically the best offensive player, who put up the best offensive numbers, I think you had a legitimate argument for Roquan Smith as a Heisman Trophy candidate. Is that is that out of the out of the question there, Kurt, back in 2017? Honestly, no. I mean, I, I kept saying that all year long. I, mean, I was saying it as early as like week three or four that year that I thought Roquan Smith was the best football player in America in 2017. I stand by that. Baker Mayfield was really, really good. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, in terms of how good he was at his position, I'm not sure anyone in America was better than Roquan Smith. I really don't. I'm not sure. I, I just don't. I, don't. I don't think there was anyone. Um, but in that year, he won the Buckus Award, was SEC Defensive Player of the Year, unanimous All-American, and the SEC Championship MVP. And that's tough for a linebacker to win SEC Championship MVP. Usually, again, that's that's another award that's reserved for the best offensive player, put the best stats in that particular game. But David Green was a, a freaking stud in his own right. Let's not forget about how good David Green was. No, he was not uh, – an overly gifted athletic type guy. That was not David Green, but man, he made the most of what God did give him. He, he was SEC Fresh of the Year 2001, first team SEC in 2002, SEC title MVP in 2002, and then second team All SEC in uh, 03 and 04. And uh, let's not forget this, guys. I know it's changed now, but when he finished his career, when his career was over in Athens, he was the winningest quarterback ever. Uh, and the career leader in SEC yards again. I think Colt McCoy overtook him as the winningest quarterback uh, when he was uh, playing at Texas. But for a while there, it was David Green. David Green was that good for us. Uh, and obviously, Roquan was <laughs> just a, 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 more than a notch above in terms of his athletic ability and just God given the talent. And it was obviously goes on to be a first round pick in the NFL draft. But uh, David Green was a really, really good player for us. And I mean, if he was matched up with almost anyone else, uh, except maybe like Champ Bailey, I guess. He'd probably be moving on to the second round, but uh, just got a really tough draw here. And Roquan is moving on to the second round to take on the winner of our next matchup, which is Marcus Stroud. He was lineman Marcus Stroud versus Jordan Jenkins, outside linebacker Jordan Jenkins. Now, Curtis, this is one that uh, I had a tough time with as well. Our listeners actually surprised me and went with Jordan Jenkins. Uh, now, when I say I had a tough time, this wasn't necessarily a tough pick for me. I went straight up with Marcus Stroud. I thought it was pretty obvious for me. So I guess I was more surprised to see that our listeners went with Jenkins with 54% of the vote. It was a tight vote with a listener vote, but it went with Jenkins. So, Kurt, you had the deciding vote here. Are you going Jordan Jenkins or are you going Marcus Stroud? I was Marcus Stroud. I kind of thought that Jordan Jenkins at times underperformed at Georgia. And I, I mean – Marcus Stroud was a big, you know, a big cog on our defense. So I think that's why I went with him over uh, Jenkins. If you, I mean, think back to Jordan Jenkins as a recruit. He was a he was a guy that we won a big time battle against Alabama for. Uh, that's actually heck, that was still when Kirby was Alabama. So we beat Kirby Smart uh, for Jordan Jenkins, and that was that was a big upset to get him from Alabama. No one really thought. I mean, very few people for a long time thought that we were going to ultimately end up landing Jordan Jenkins because he was a big time recruit, but. We were able to get him. 
And uh, he had a good career here. Now, I mean, he was a, he was a five star recruit. He's according to uh, the two four seven composite, was the number thirty four player nationally coming out of high school. But Kurt, did he ever live up to that potential? No, not in my opinion. He did not. Yeah, and and maybe those are some unfair expectations. But he was never that kind of player in Athens. He was a really good, solid player for us, and a great leader, a great representative of your team. Uh, the kind of guy you want to put a, put in front of the media, and we, which we did a lot. And he he's just a, a great young man. But he was never dominant. Marcus Stroud, however, was a dominant player while he was here in Athens. I mean, he absolutely was. I mean, I was I was relatively. I mean, I was you know in high school when he played. But I very vividly remember watching him play, and that guy was a stud. Uh, he was the number 13 pick in the NFL draft, was second-team All-SEC in, t- in uh, the year 2000, and spent nine years as a starter in the NFL. And he was a he was a dominant defensive lineman for us, at least more so than Jordan Jenkins ever was. I think this is a case maybe of a little bit of – and I think one of our listeners pointed this out as well on, on social media, and I agree that this is a, a case of some recency bias here. As good as Jenkins was – uh, and, and he's still a good player in the NFL for the Jets right now. He was never, ever close to as dominant as Stroud was, at least as dominant as Stroud was in, in the year 2000 when he was second team all SEC and warranted uh, a top 15 pick in the NFL draft. So uh, I went with Stroud as well. So he is advancing on to the second round to take on Roquan Smith. But uh, uh, let's just say newsflash. I don't think he'll be moving on past the second round. Uh, but we'll, we'll talk about that in our next show. All right, moving on here. Next matchup, we've got Greg Blue, the one-man hit squad, Greg Blue, versus running back Todd Gurley, who's obviously been in the news here lately, finally came back home here to the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, our listeners, uh, this one was no surprise to me. I don't want to spend too much time on this one because I thought this was pretty obvious for me. Listeners went with Todd Gurley with 90% of the vote. Kurt, you also went with Gurley, uh, as did I. But real quickly here, just tell me, why did you go with Gurley over Greg Blue? I mean, I don't think it's a question. I mean, Gurley, if he doesn't get suspended, probably wins the Heisman that year. I had the same thing in my notes. I, I, I'm going to go a step further and say I think he absolutely wins the Heisman. And I, I, I crunched these numbers, all right? So in 2014, before the whole suspension then comes back and tears his ACL against Auburn, he legitimately was going to win the Heisman Trophy. In uh, his the first five games before the suspension, he ran for 198 yards against Clemson, on the road, by the way, 131 yards, 73 yards. That was against Troy on six carries, by the way. He just didn't want to play anymore. Why play more against Troy? Then 208 yards and 163 yards before the suspension. Then he comes back against Auburn, runs for 138 yards in that game before he t- tears his ACL. So he was averaging – and so if you take the first uh, – Five games of 2014, and throughout Troy because he didn't play much in that game. And said so the, the first uh, four of the first five games, and those those four games were against Power Five opponents. He was averaging 174 yards a game against those Power Five opponents, and get this, averaging nine freaking yards a carry, nine yards a carry against really really good competition against Tennessee, against Clemson. Uh, this guy was going to win the Heisman Trophy. He was going to win the Heisman Trophy, and I've said it before in this show. If he was not the best player I've ever seen with my own two eyes, he's one of the two or three best players I've ever seen play with my own two eyes. Uh, and, and that's not saying Greg Blue wasn't good because Greg Blue was really, really good. And it's, this is another uh, – kind of like David Green. This is just a really tough first-round draw for Greg Blue because Greg Blue was a first-team All-SEC player and unanimous All-American in 2005, but he just wasn't Todd Gurley. He just wasn't Todd Gurley. It's that simple. So Gurley's moving on where he will take on the winner of our next matchup. Between Eric Zier, quarterback Eric Zier from the 90s, Kurt, maybe a little bit before your time, uh, and Charles Grant. 
Our listeners went with Zyre with 78% of the listener vote. Curtis, you also went Zyre, and I, I did as well. It was a clean sweep for Eric Zyre. Um, now, this is a guy that, again, I don't think you really ever got to see play outside of maybe some uh, some highlights here and there. And obviously, you know who Eric Zyre is. So why did you go with Zyre over Charles Grant? Um, To me, Charles Grant's one of those guys that – once again, was better in the pros than he was in college. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. He was a good player in college. I mean, he was All-SEC second team in the year 2000. Uh, it's not like Conan Bryan in the year 2000. Sorry, aside there. Uh, but uh, he, you're right. In the NFL, he was an eight-year starter in the NFL. was a much better – was a good player here in Athens, but I think exceeded what he – in the NFL, exceeded what he ever did here while he was a Georgia Bulldog. Whereas Eric Zier – uh man, he was a he he was the standard. He was the standard at quarterback for Georgia until David Green and Aaron Murray came along in terms of like statistic uh production. He was second team all SEC in 1993 and 1994. Uh had basically rewritten all the the Georgia passing records uh before again before David Green and Aaron Murray came along. So Eric Zire was a flat out star. I would have loved to see what Eric Zire could have done with a little bit more talent. But guys like that guys like David Green and Aaron Murray uh were fortunate enough to play with. Um but Zaire had some good – I mean, he had Bryce He had Bryce Hunter as well. He had some good players around him as well. But he was a really, really, really prolific quarterback for us. So I went with Zaire as well. So he is moving on to take on Todd Gurley in round two. All right, moving on. This one was, uh, to me, should have been a, a wipeout. Uh, we've got the battle of, the, of two big, bad defensive linemen. you got Richard Seymour and John Jenkins. The listeners' curse went with uh, Richard Seymour with 74% of their vote. You also went with Seymour, as did I. Clean sweep for Seymour. Were you surprised that it wasn't like 100% Richard Seymour over John Jenkins? Um, now that you're talking about it, yes, I am. I thought it was a no-brainer, in my opinion. Yeah, there are a couple of – and we'll get to a couple more of these here as we get, get on with the show. But there are a couple of these I was like, how did anyone not vote for, in this case, Richard Seymour? Like, how did you vote against him? Like, who out there is voting for John Jenkins? Like he was a really good player for us in 2012. Was a key part of what we wanted to do with with Todd this defense. Obviously, um, three of the linebackers like Alec Ogletree to go out to go out and make some plays all over the field. Uh, he, so he was he was a really good player for us. But we're talking about maybe the best interior defensive lineman in Georgia history in Richard Seymour. Like potentially, like, like he hasn't made the NFL Hall of Fame yet. But it wouldn't shock me if somewhere down the road Richard Seymour makes his way in the NFL Hall of Fame. Like, I wouldn't be blown away by that. I mean. For most of his career in the NFL, he was one of the, if not the best defensive linemen in the entire league. So we're talking about an all-time great defensive lineman for Georgia. John Jenkins was a really good defensive lineman, not an all-time great. I mean, to me, this should have been 100% Richard Seymour, no questions asked. I'm just, I'm shocked that 26% of, of listeners out there actually voted for John Jenkins. And no offense to anyone out there, um, everyone's totally entitled to your opinion. I just, I'm just kind of surprised by that, to be honest. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, next up, here's another one. I'm surprised it wasn't 100%. Uh, so we've got uh, linebacker Boss Bailey versus running back Nick Chubb. And this is, this is nothing against Boss Bailey, right? But it's obvious it's Nick Chubb. Am, am I crazy? No, not at all. I, th- I mean, I thought you had to sit there and think, all right, Boss Bailey guy has 
did a lot, but it's still Nick Chubb. Yeah, Boss made a really good play. Like when I saw this, is another example of uh, when I saw the matchups get spit out by the computers and it was randomly generated. I felt bad for Boss Bailey because he got a, a tough first round draw. Because you put Boss Bailey up against like a John Jenkins, I'm probably gonna go Boss Bailey. But uh, when it's Boss Bailey against Nick Chubb, I mean, it's a no brainer. Nick Chubb to me, I, I, I said earlier, I think Champ Bailey is a, a Mount Rushmore Georgia Bulldog. I think Nick Chubb's a Mount Rushmore Georgia Bulldog. I, I, I'm not, I'm going there. I think Nick Chubb's a Mount Rushmore Georgia Bulldog for what he did on the field, for the player he was, for the person he was, the leader he was. I mean, Nick Chubb, just the way he worked, the legend that is Nick Chubb coming back from the injury like he did, uh, just fighting through adversity. I just, God, I mean, I cannot say, I mean, I'm getting like goosebumps just talking about Nick Chubb. I love, love, love that guy. Uh, and look what he's doing in the NFL right now. If his coach knew what, knew what he was doing uh, with the Cleveland Browns, he would have won the NFL rushing title this year. Just barely missed out on that. But uh, our listeners went with Chubb with 94% of the vote. I'm surprised it wasn't 100%. Balls was great. First team All-SEC and first team All-American in 2002. A flat-out stud for us at linebacker. But it just wasn't Nick Chubb. So Nick is moving on to the second round where he will take on Richard Seymour. And I think that's a heck of a matchup in the second round. Richard Seymour versus Nick Chubb. And we'll talk more about that on our next episode. Uh, our next one here is another one where, God, keep talking about some of these guys just got some really tough first-round draws. We've got uh, defensive end David Pollock versus offensive lineman John Stinchcomb, who uh, these guys, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, allegedly got into a pretty heated fight, uh, not an argument, but an actual fight on, uh, in, in practice uh, at one point during their careers here in Athens. They were playing essentially the same time. But so it's kind of, and somebody on Twitter kind of pointed this out. It is fitting they, that they are uh, matched up against each other here in the first round uh, of this UGA Madness bracket. But Kurt, like, it's as good as Stinchcomb was two time first team all SEC lineman, five year NFL starter, was a pro bowler for the, uh, for the Saints, the NFL. But come on, Curtis. Is there any way you can go with anyone other than David Pollock here? No, not at all. I mean, he just named the Costa Ball Hall of Fame. Uh, one of only two three-time All-Americans in Georgia football history, along with Herschel Walker. Truly an all-time great. Talking about Mount Rushmore's and Georgia Bulldogs, I'm probably putting David Pollock on that um, that Mount Rushmore as well. I might have six or seven guys on there instead of four or five, but he's got to be at least in the conversation there. Our listeners uh, went heavily with Pollock. 95% of our listeners went with Pollock. But here's another one where as good as Stinchcomb was, like I'm not sure how you make an argument for Stinchcomb over David Pollock. I I just don't know how you do. I don't know how it wasn't 100% David Pollock, but uh, I don't know. Anyway, uh, Pollock advances on to the second round where he takes on the winner of our next matchup, which is uh, punter Drew Butler. Yes, there is a punter appearance on the Glory UJ podcast uh, in this Martin UJ Madness bracket. You got Drew Butler versus wide receiver Fred Gibson. Now, Kurt, I'm going to start with you on this one. You went with Fred Gibson over Drew Butler. Explain that pick for me. Um, I just remember Fred Gibson tearing it up all those years with uh, Dave, uh D- David Green. Um, and that's I think that's the big biggest reason. Oh, he was a stud. Um, he was a stud. I think one thing that hurt him was his second. All right, and in two thousand four, which I believe was his last year here now. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. He just uh, he was so good, but he wasn't as good as Reggie Brown was. Like Reggie Brown was the best receiver on that team. Um, so Gibson was really, really good. Second team All-SEC in 2004. Um, he's actually second in career receiving yards in Georgia history as of right now. Fifth in career receptions in Georgia history. So a really, really, really good receiver for us. Never quite an elite player, I think I would say. Like really good, but not quite elite. Uh, whereas Drew Butler, 
and I, again, I guess I, I have a tough time with this. I think the best argument for Gibson is that he played, you know, he was playing, you know, way more snaps than Drew Butler played. Because when you're a punter, what, well, you might punt four or five times a game, maybe. Um, so a, a, a position player is going to have more of an impact just by sh- the sheer fact that they get more snaps and they're on the field more than a punter or a kicker is, especially a punter. But if there was a punter that could win a first-round matchup, it's got to be Drew Butler. I mean, a two-time first-team All-American was the Ray Guy Award winner for the best punter in the country in 2009. So while he might – I don't know. I don't know if he had, had the full-on impact that, that Gibson had. I mean, Gibson was part of the, an SEC championship team. I think Butler was just more prolific at what he did. I mean, won the Ray Guy Award, two-time first-team All-American. So I went with with Drew Butler. You could you could convince me if you really made a strong argument to go with Gibson. I'm not going to argue against you there too strongly, Curtis. Uh, and our listeners, though, they get the deciding vote here since you and I were split. And it was a very tight vote with our listeners, but 55% of our listeners went with Drew Butler. So he is advancing on to the second round where he will get demolished by David Pollock almost certainly, which we'll talk more about later on in the week. All right, moving on to the Silver region. This is our last region. We're going to run away through this one. We've got defensive tackle Geno Atkins versus running back Sony Michelle. This is a really interesting one to me because Geno Atkins has had a, I mean, just uh, talk about prolific career, as prolific of an NFL career as anybody on this list outside of maybe Champ Bailey and Richard Seymour for, uh, in terms of Georgia Bulldogs. But I don't know if he was the same kind of guy in college. So, Kurt, who did you go with in the Geno Atkins-Sony Michelle matchup? I went with Sony, and I think, like you mentioned, the biggest thing is is the fact that Geno just didn't have a great college career. Well, I, he had a he had a really good college career, just, just not as good as his NFL career has been. Uh, he was he was first team All SEC in two thousand seven, uh, which is the year that I think by the end of that year we had the best team in college football, and Geno Atkins was a big part of that. But undoubtedly, he's been a better pro player than college player. Really good college player. I don't know if he was ever like a dominant elite college player, but really, really, really good. And that's certainly subjective, obviously. But in the NFL, he's been a final monster. I mean, eight-time pro bowler, two-time first-team all-pro. I mean, he has been as good as a defensive lineman over the past decade as there's been in the NFL, year in, year out, on a consistent basis. He's been that guy for the, and playing for a, I mean, a not really great franchise in Cincinnati. Uh, so I think you make an argument for Geno in that regard based on what he's done in the NFL. But if you're talking about what they did in college, I got to go with Sony Michelle. Uh, so I'm with you, Curtis. But this is a weird one for me because, like, I think we all remember Sony so fondly. But Kurt, did you know that Sony Michelle never once in his career ever made a All SEC first or second team? Did you know that? Um, it doesn't shock me, no. Right now, but here's the thing: he was he was playing carries Nick Chubb, right? So if there was no Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle absolutely would have been All SEC first team multiple times, in my opinion. He was he even without that he was first round draft pick. Uh, obviously, Super Bowl champion his rookie year um, has uh, over 3,600 yards rushing. Two times went over a thousand yards uh, rushing uh, during his time here in Athens. And even though he was never like the full time starter in split carries with Nick, he's still third in career rushing yards in Georgia history in top five in rushing touchdowns. As good as Geno was, I just think Sony was a more impactful college player. And I think one thing you're talking about greatest players in a, in a program's history. I think one aspect of that is moments. The moment you had. did you have those like career defining iconic moments? And Kurt Sony had that, didn't he? Yeah. In the Rose Bowl, that that, that touchdown in overtime, that is an iconic 
Georgia football moment. I was in the stands. He he basically ran right to me where I, I mean, that's how I saw it. Like I was right there in that end zone. He runs right to like the section I was in. I'm like flipping out, losing my mind. I will never here, here come the goosebumps again. Never, ever, ever, ever forget that moment in the, in the, for the rest of my life. I'll never forget that. So for that reason, and that reason alone, really, I'm going with Sonny Michelle. I think you make a strong argument for Gino, but, um, uh, Sony's the guy for me, and the listeners agree with us. Kurt, they went with Sony with 87% of their vote. And before we move on to our next matchup, I do want to remind you guys about our friends at Simply Safe. You know, every night, local police departments across America they receive hundreds of calls from burglar alarms, and the vast majority of the time, they have no idea whether that alarm is real or not. Like, is there really a crime going on or not? All the alarm company can tell them is, "Hey, guys, the motion sensor went off." But Simply Safe home security is different. If there's a break-in, Simply Safe uses real video evidence to give police an actual eyewitness account of what's going on. Uh, that means police dispatch up to 350% faster than for a normal burglar alarm. You get comprehensive protection for your entire house. You get the outdoor cameras, doorbells that are going to alert you to anyone approaching your home. You got entry, motion, and glass break sensors that also guard the inside of your home. Plus, Simply Safe protects your home from fires, water damage, and carbon monoxide poisoning. It's 24-7 monitoring by actually live security professionals. And you can totally set the system up yourself if you if you're that kind of guy, the DIY kind of guy. No tools needed or anything like that. Or if you are more like me, you can just have Simply Safe come do it for you. And it's only 50 cents a day with no contracts. All you got to do is visit simplysafe.com slash overtime and you'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You truly have absolutely nothing to lose. Go now and be sure you go to simplysafe.com slash overtime so they know our show sent you. That's simplysafe.com slash overtime. All right, next up, moving on here, we've got DeAndre Swift versus Randy McMichael. Uh, so tight end Randy McMichael versus running back DeAndre Swift. Uh, our listeners went with DeAndre Swift with a pretty hefty margin here. Actually, I forgot to write down uh, the percentage here, but they definitely went with DeAndre Swift. Kurt, you also went with Swift. Why did you go with Swift over McMichael, who's a really good tight end, by the way? Um, I just think you got to look at DeAndre Swift's overall work. Um, everything he did, and I think that's why I went with him. You saw, especially last year, sophomore year, how much better the offense looked when he was healthy. Yeah, I'm trying to find the numbers here. Yeah, I mean, he would like when Swift was healthy, like that dude was flat out nasty. Okay, okay. so listeners won 89% of their vote went with DeAndre Swift. I also went with DeAndre Swift, and Michael was a really good player for us, but he's another example of a guy who was really good, but maybe not ever elite in college. Had uh, 1,200 yards receiving in three years, so really, really good numbers for a tight end, but not like crazy, insane numbers. He uh, did have uh, one game against Georgia Tech in the year 2000. There it is again in the year 2000. Uh, he uh, had 12 catches in that game against Tech, which was uh, puts him at number three in single-game receptions in Georgia history. Uh, he was first-team All-SEC in 2011 – or I'm sorry, 2001 – and was 11-year star for the NFL, uh, mainly with the with the Miami Dolphins. A really good player for a long time in the NFL. Never an elite tight end, but a really, really good tight end for a long time in the NFL. But DeAndre Swift, like I said, when he was healthy, was a stud. First team All-SEC in 2019. And he was so – like, I know he didn't have the explo- as many explosive runs this year, but that was – he was kind of a victim of circumstances with our passing game situation this year. But I think this year he was more impressive than ever. Honestly, with how he was able to grind out yards and just get the tough yards and the boxes were just so stacked and teams were triggered against the run so quickly this year. 
I think he was a beast for us this year and was such a great leader as well. Had a, had a, a solid role on our run to the national title game in 2017. And uh, he had that touchdown run against Auburn in the SEC title game. Uh, kind of sealed the deal there. So DeAndre Swift was a flat-out star. He's going to be a first-round pick in the NFL draft almost certainly. So I'm going to go with Swift as well in this one. Uh, all right, this next one I want to spend a ton of time on because it's very, very obvious. Oh, but by, by the way, let's go back. So it means in the second round, real quick, this is an awesome second-round matchup. Sony Michelle versus DeAndre Swift. And we'll get into that later on this week in our next episode. But look forward to that one. That's going to be a fun discussion about who we're picking to go on to the Sweet 16. But moving on, we've got Sean Williams, safety Sean Williams, who was kind of a borderline guy to make this list. Honestly, I, I, when you got to pick 64 players over the past 25 years, um, you're going to take some guys that might be fringe players. I think Sean Williams is one of those guys. And he just got another really tough draw. He has no chance to win this matchup. Sean Williams versus one of the all-time greats in Georgia history, Heinz Ward. Um, this is a clean sweep, right, Kurt? has to be. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's not really much to say about this one. Uh, I and really the reason Sean Williams put I, that he got on this list. This is a personal one for me. I I loved him. He was one of my favorite players while he was here in Athens. Uh, just at his attitude, the way he played, uh, calling out the defense, calling him soft before the 2012 Florida game, and, and kind of getting us motivated to go out there and win that football game. That was I would never forget that. It was a great moment. One of the great moments of the past decade in Georgia football history. Loved it absolutely. But I mean, we're, talking, we're talking about Heinz Ward here. First team All SEC 1997. Uh, second team in 96, four-time Pro Bowler, one of the, the great receivers of the past 20, 30 years in the NFL, and not just in terms of you know catching the football, but just obviously blocking, just what he did, just doing the dirty stuff. He was a, a prototypical Pittsburgh Steeler, and uh, 98% of the, uh, the listeners agree here, and they went with Heinz Ward as well. So he's moving on to the second round to take on the winner of our next matchup, which is Miko Hardman versus Noshan Moreno. Kurt? Uh, our listeners went with, with Noshan with 68% of their vote. Actually, I this is another one. I thought that Noshan might get a higher percentage of the vote than that. You also went with Noshan. Why did you go with Noshan over Mecole? I just thought Noshan was a better player, more consistent for every – and, you know, just kind of reset, reestablished the running back position for the University of Georgia. That's a really good point. It was kind of – you know, we it always had a good running back history, but – it was, he kind of started off that run from, I guess, about 2007 through even now, 2019. You've got Noshan, you've got Gurley, you've got Chubb, Michelle, Swift, so on and so forth. Um, yeah, I mean, Noshan to me is the answer here, pretty obvious answer. Miko was a good player. I don't think Miko was ever uh, – another guy, I don't know if he ever lived up quite up to his potential. He was an explosive player and a good return man for us as well, but only had 961 career receiving yards. Did make a, a second-team All-SEC team and never a dominant player. I think Noshan was a dominant player while he was here in Athens. A two-time All-SEC first-team player, second-team uh, All-American in 2008, and the SEC freshman of the year. So for me, definitely Noshan Moreno. I agree with uh, with everyone here. So clean sweep for Noshan. So he will be taking on Heinz Ward in round two. Um, so got a couple more here. It's about three or four more, and we're out of here today. So our next one, this is another one that's really interesting for me, Kurt. I, I, had a, I don't know. I don't know if I had a tough time. This one was just a tough draw for Aaron Murray. Uh, so we got A.J. Green versus quarterback Aaron Murray. So, Curtis, I'm going to let you start us off here. Who did you – you took Aaron Murray in this one. So why did you take Murray over A.J.? This is, I think um, A.J. AJ may, have, A.J. may have been the better player. I just thought Aaron Murray did more – you know, was more consistent, did a – you know, set a lot more records and did things like that for us. Yeah, this is another one, like, how do you define greatness? Like, and different people are looking at this differently. AJ, I agree with you, was the better play, better player, better athlete, better talent, all those kind of things. We look, look at it, and he was really productive in his own right. 
But if you look at the, the productivity of Aaron Murray, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, he's freshman All-American, uh, two-time All-SEC second team uh, 2000, uh, in 2011 and 13. As the SEC leader, in, he still is today the SEC leader in career passing yards, passing touchdowns, com- career completions, and total yards. I think he's arguably the best quarterback in Georgia history. I, I mean, I know we've got Matthew Stafford and Jake Fromm had a nice career. Uh, Eric Zyra was really good. We've had some good quarterbacks. Frank Targeting back in the day. Uh, DJ Shockley had a really good year. David Green was prolific as well. But Aaron Murray, I mean, no one put up the numbers that Aaron did. I mean, he was just an absolute studded quarterback. I know for a long time he was kind of getting killed because he, quote, unquote, couldn't win the big game. But uh, Aaron was such a good player. If he ever had a defense to work with outside of that 2012 year, I mean, we saw what, what how close we were to win a national title with Aaron Murray when we actually had a defense. And that was really the only year that we had anything resembling a, a good defense while Aaron was quarterback, or at least a good a defense that was good enough to win a national title. And we almost got there. He almost took us there. So uh, he was, I think, the best quarterback in Georgia history. Uh, but even saying that, I'm going with A.J. Green here um, just because like, he was really productive in his own right. He was 2008 SEC Freshman of the Year, two-time All-SEC, 2009 All-American. Uh, would have been an All-American in 2010 if he didn't get suspended for selling his own football jersey. And in the NFL, this is where he kind of separates himself. In the NFL, he's been one of the, the best players in the NFL for a long time now, seven-time pro bowler. Um, but if you were there, Murray, as you did, Kurt, I'm not going to argue with you too much because that guy was a freaking stud. But our listeners, they're, this is the first time listeners actually sided with me in a, in, a, in a matchup where you and I are kind of split here. They went with AJ with 64% of their vote. But I'm glad that Aaron got some respect. I was I was concerned that he might get wiped out. So I'm glad our listeners remember him uh, as fondly as I do. Uh, but uh, So that means AJ is going to be matched up against either Isaiah McKenzie or DeAndre Baker in the second round. Our listeners went with DeAndre Baker with 88% of the vote. Kurt, why uh, what put Baker over the edge for you over McKenzie? Um, Baker just completely dominated. I mean, he shut he took away one half of the field pretty much the last two years that he was out there, and you just have to take that into account. Yeah, I totally agree. In, in an era where you don't really see uh, that many true shutdown corners anymore, with how rules have been uh, manufactured to favor offensive players, uh, Baker was a shutdown corner for us for a. a at least a year and a half. Um, he was a consensus All-American and first-team All-SEC in 2018, won the Jim Thorpe Award in 2018, was also second-team All-SEC in 2017 and about half a year as a starter and, and worked himself into a, a first-round pick. So Isaiah McKenzie was a good player for us. was a really good return man, five return touchdowns. I remember, I remember that game against Kentucky. I was actually at that game where he had returned a punt and a kick for a touchdown. Um, but he was never a dominant player like DeAndre Baker was. So I'm with you guys as well. DeAndre Baker moves on to face A.J. Green in the second round. So we got two more left here, our last two matchups. This one I think is an easy one. Um, matchup of, of two former teammates, two very recent former teammates. We've got offensive tackle Andrew Thomas and defensive tackle Tyler Clark, who was another one of those guys who's kind of a fringe player to make this list, but he got on there because he needed 64. Somebody had to get on there. Uh, Andrew Thomas got 85% of the vote, Curtis, from our listeners. Are you surprised he did not get 100%? Um, not a surprise, no. Tyler Clark made some big plays and had some dominating points in his career. Yeah, Clark was really good for us. I, I don't I, – here's my name with Clark. He, had the, like, he showed the potential in his sophomore year, especially in, the, in that Rose Bowl game and that, I guess that playoff run, to, to be a dominant player on the, on the defensive line. I don't know if he ever really capitalized on that the next two years. He was really, really good for us, but I don't know if he was ever a dominant player 
Whereas Andrew Thomas, in my opinion, was a dominant left tackle for us. He's gonna be a first. He's gonna be a first round pick almost certainly. He was freshman All American, second team All SEC, or two time All SEC first team consensus All American this past year. So I think uh, to me it's pretty obvious Andrew Thomas. And uh, yeah, I mean I'm glad Clark got a few people to vote for him there, but uh, Thomas I think is the clear winner here. And that means Andrew Thomas is matched up with our final. Uh, player here it, moving on in the second round we got Matt Stinchcomb and about the big uglies Matt Stinchcomb versus center David Andrews now Kurt Stinchcomb was another guy who was maybe a little bit before your time you went with Matt Stinchcomb though so why did uh what put Matt Stinchcomb over the top for you um I just the Stinchcomb name honestly does carry a lot and as much as as good as David Andrews was especially you saw it that one year when he went out against Florida um I still believe Stinchcomb had a better career, um, especially at that point in time. Oh, no doubt at all. He had a better career than David Andrews at Georgia. There's zero doubt about that. Now, David Andrews is going to have a better NFL career because Stinchcomb got injured. He, his NFL career got derailed by injuries. It was a shoulder, a knee, and he just then a back, and he just never was able to kind of get healthy NFL, and he had to retire far too early. But in terms of what they did at Georgia, Stinchcomb, hands down, had the better career. Uh, Stinchcomb was a two-time first-team All-American, 1997-1998. was a first-round pick. Andrews was a second-team All-SEC in 2014. Now he's a two-time Super Bowl champ. He's been able to stay healthy. Um, and I love David Andrews, but Stinchcomb, to me, was the obvious answer here. Uh, so I I agree with you. And our listeners agreed, but barely. I was This is one I was probably the most surprised to see, that Stinchcomb, he won the listener vote, but this is the closest vote of any of the matchups in the first round. Uh, Stinchcomb won uh, with 51% of the listener vote, so about as narrow a margin as you could have. And I was surprised to see. I think that might be a little bit of a recency bias there as well. But we all love David Andrews. I, I'll never forget him running off the sideline after that Auburn game. His arm just pumping in the air, going crazy. And I love the. I love those guys kind of play with their with their heart on their sleeves there, and that certainly was David Andrews. But uh, to me, Matt Stinchcomb clearly had a better career. But um, all right, guys, that's a wrap on the first round of our Glory UGA Greatest. Georgia football players of the past 25 years tournament. And since there were so many first round matchups, we didn't really go quite as in depth with each pick as we're going to moving forward, especially those where the choice was just kind of obvious. There were a number of those. Like, for example, like we, we love Sean Williams, as we mentioned, but when you're talking about Sean Williams versus Heinz Ward, like there's just not that much to break down. It's kind of just obvious. But as we move into the second round and beyond, the matchups will become much closer and much more difficult to pick. And I'm kind of looking ahead down the road, and there are some there are some that are going to be very, very difficult to make a pick on. So we're definitely going to be spending more time breaking down those matchups in greater detail next week. And there are. There's some really interesting and tough second round matchups that we are going to be breaking down for you guys next week. We've got, for example, Nick Chubb versus Richard Seymour. Sony Michelle versus DeAndre Swift. What a matchup there. Uh, Andrew Thomas versus Matt Stinchko. Another heavyweight matchup in the second round, just to name a few. And we've already started posting each of the second round matchups on Twitter for you guys to vote on. We're going to post four a day from Wednesday through Saturday, and then you have until Sunday at 5 p.m. to get those votes in. They're not going to be as crunched together as they were for the first round. We try to get all 32 matchups in over the course of three days last weekend, and uh, that meant we had to post one about every 30 minutes to an hour or so uh, throughout those those three days, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So we're going to try to spread out a little bit more for you guys this time. So have fun with that. Share it with your friends. Get them in on this, and we will be back next week to reveal the winners of the second round of our greatest Georgia football players of the past 25 years tournament. We really, really appreciate you guys 
listening into the show, and we sincerely hope all of you are staying safe with your loved ones there. Take care. But for Curtis, I'm Tyler, and as always, go dogs. <laughs>